From Grooveview Studios in Columbus, Ohio, this is Getting the Brand Back Together, a podcast exploring the interdisciplinary art of banding, branding, and business building. Rock and roll relic, poet, writer, and brandist, I'm your host, Brad Sircone. Today, we're joined by Donna McGavero, an iconic singer, songwriter, and quintessentially respected Columbus, Ohio music legend. Welcome to the show, Donna. I am so happy to be here, and I'm totally humbled by those adjectives. <laughs> <laughs> the last time I may have seen you would have been early 90s. Yeah. I, I think that's how long it's been. Yeah. Do you still have those tights? <laughs> <laughs> I do not. I have both pairs of leather, leather pants, but I think the waist is like a 28 or something. Whatever. Yeah. Were these four, right? Major Matt Mason, some little combat toy. I don't know. I can't believe that, but no, there's no tights. Before we get started, uh, for our guests who may not have our heritage is the way I'll put it, Donna. Yeah. Let me give a little background to who is on the podcast today. Uh, one of four and the only women to win the first annual recorded music grant, voted number one singer-songwriter and number one favorite vocalist female. You received four honors from the Greater Columbus Music Awards. And that was, uh, I mean, really, this is a sweep. This is like a gold medal sweep. Outstanding acoustic solo performance, outstanding folk singer, outstanding rock singer, vocalist, and talent deserving wider recognition. That I agree with. Uh, and best female vocalist. Your second record, Out of the Nest, which I encourage everyone to listen to this record. Received widespread radio airplay uh, on stations across the country and was heard on the prestigious World Cafe by David Dye. The release received two awards, mm -hmm. Excellence in Songwriting and Excellence in Recording, which it should have. I said to her last night when we were catching up in some 30 years that you are the jewel singer-songwriter of Ohio. You are, and I asked you, and I know humbly you'd never say that, but see... I'm in the ad business. I can say this. <laughs> yeah, you say it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who do we know of that, of your pedigree that could be bestowed upon? And I still haven't thought of anybody. So you're going to have to, for now, hold that crown if you don't mind. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So to give you a little bit more uh, of the um, time frame, we were talking about mutual old friends of ours, like Scott Steinecker, John Schwab. Rusty. Rusty, Rainey. And we all kind of grew up in the music business in Columbus together yes. during that period. And mm -hmm. all of us doing different things. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you had the singer-songwriter thing. And certainly, Schwabi had the, the, the country thing going on. And we were Ronald like, Cole had Ronald the punk Ronald Cole had the punk thing. thing and we on. had kind of the narrative rock. Rock. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all happening in Columbus during that time. And you have graced the stage with a lot of heroic performers. Yes. Some of who are my absolute favorite, uh, Warren Zevon, mm -hmm. right? And you opened up for him a couple of times, correct? Yeah, I opened up for him twice here mm -hmm. and then and then at uh, Bogart's in Cincinnati. God, what a great club. Yeah. It's still around. Yeah. yeah. And Joan Osborne, mm -hmm. John Hyatt, talk about a songwriter. Right. NRBQ mm -hmm. and Livingston Taylor, who is James Taylor's brother. Yeah, that was the very first concert that Six String Productions put on at the um, in the old Old Town East. Oh yeah! Wow! Yeah. Awesome! I bet that was sold out. 
Yeah, that was a great show. And it's just a pleasure having you here and seeing you in person. Thank you. So we want we want everyone to know here, um, because of the generation gap to some of our listeners, Donna does not have an apartment downtown and she is not writing on an iPad. No. She is using this thing called an acoustic guitar mm-hmm. and probably a pen or a piece of paper. Absolutely. Right. Well, I do write in my phone because I walk dogs. Yes. I, I write, you know, I, things come to me and I'm so glad that I have a phone that I can just voice memo. Yes. Thank you. Yes, I know. So I love it. don't lose what, the melody that you might have come up with. Yes. So back in the day, I was awoken in the middle of the night with this guitar line. Bun, dun, bun, dun, 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 boom, boom. I couldn't get it out of my head. Okay. Well, that's a good sign. It's the original notes of Jonathan Toledo, which is well, how we got signed and one of the first songs we had on MTV. And I had one of those stupid hand recorders sitting oh, yeah. by the bed on campus with the big red button. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So thank God, because I couldn't play that on guitar. I didn't know. I had, right. go, I had to go to the rest of the band and say, okay, here's what I sing. Just play that. Do something with that. Right? So I want to talk to you about how you craft. So before we talk about your brand and your band, tell us, how do you go about writing a song? How does it come to you? Well, I used to say it depends on what shoes I had on, you know. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, like I, we were talking earlier, I mean, I do walk dogs, so I'm outside a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's kind of divinely given mm-hmm. to, I go to Whetstone Parker Roses every day. And wow. so I'm in the prairie. Right. And I'm watching this beautiful red-tailed hawk circling this prairie. Wow. So it's like, the, it's, it's the metaphor. Yeah. You know, you know what they're doing. They're right. look, you know, because it's deep, you know, mm-hmm. it's very dense in the prairie and he's looking deep down right. through, you know, and um, I wrote this, I went home immediately and wrote Circling the Edges. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. So when you write, do you, are you inspired like for me, I used to begin with a poem. So I would begin with words. Yeah. Except in the example I just gave you, but 99% of the time it was words. Uh, and then the words would inspire a feeling because that's what we were talking about yesterday. Right. The feeling then catapulted me into using an instrument to express that as a voice. Yes. So for you, is it words? Is it a visual? Is it a, just a feeling and then you attack a pen or a guitar? Or is it sometimes just a guitar? I think a lot of times it's, I, I may be feeling vulnerable and, you know, and I just, it's not for really for anybody else, but for me, mm-hmm. it's a release, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I do know. Right. I just want to write down how I'm feeling. Yeah. You just want to capture it. Right. You're not even judging it at that no, point. At that, yeah. No, I'm not editing it or no. anything. I'm just, just free writing. Right. Yeah. And then get serious about it, you know? Well, some songs, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, you know, you've got lyrics, you got great lyrics, but you can't find any music for it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know how to wrestle that sometimes. And and for me, I didn't have, mine was, I could always find a melody in the poetry. I could find the vocal melody. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I could deconstruct music behind it. But I had a band and we're going to get into that. You didn't. You did. It's Donna. Right. So you had to figure out all those obstacles that I had help with. Right. That's why I asked you, you know, about that kind of collaboration. So your process comes from capturing that emotion first. Right. However you have to. Right. 
Is it usually writing a lyric or do you go to the guitar first? What's your natural first language once you're inspired? I go to the guitar first. You do? Yeah. Okay. Do you know what chord? Because we were talking before the show that um, our production team, most of them are very literate in music. Mm-hmm. And Donna and I. Those t- those guys. Those guys. The Otterbein guys. Yeah. But we, we are illiterate in music. But that's mm-hmm. a positive because it makes us more creative. We have to search it out. Right. So I would because we couldn't read music, we made colors for chords. Right. You know, and we, we got specific. So a D would be a blue, but if it was a D minor, then it might be, you know, more of a Navajo or Azul blue. We actually would make up color code so we could talk to each other faster, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Than having to figure it out. Right. Do you know what chord you're looking for when you have, what was the name of the song you just wrote? Circling? Circling the edges. Circling the edges. Do you go back and you go, oh my God, I know what this is? Oh, that, you, no. I mean, um, I knew that it wasn't going to be just a, a one, four, five. Okay. It's okay. a drop D tuning and okay. it's. There's depth. Oh, it's yeah. Serious. It's serious. The chords yeah. are, I don't know. Don't ask me. <laughs> right. But I'm saying you knew. I know it's in D. And you knew how to frame it musically. Yes. Yes, I did. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Now, your background in music then did, how'd you get into music? Were your parents musical? No, but my brother was in a rock band when I was in, uh, you know, high school, junior high. And I used to sit on the basement steps and listen to them. Wow. Yeah. But I I never said, oh, I want to do that. Well, I was looking up, I Googled how many people have written a song in America. Oh, gosh. I couldn't find much, but I did find a lot of, I told you I I love research, but I did find something interesting. And that is that the idea of one person writing one song is dead. Really? Yeah. So they said the days of Irving Berlin and Cole Porter, and they brought up even Fleetwood Mac's dreams. You know, right now there might be 14, 15 writers on a track. Oh, yes. I know that. And that makes me feel good. So I was going to say to you, do you understand (laughs) what the jewel, that's why I was using those accolades. Well, that could also be why I don't go anywhere too. (laughs) That's why I've been stuck in Ohio for 30 years, Where's my team? (laughs) Where's my team of writers? I'm open. (laughs) Now you are. I'm open. (laughs) That's funny. If you can make this better, I'm open. So I was going to ask, that's what, I, that's what I'm leaning to. But so don't I mean, make it sterile. I know, you're not for that. No. See, I told you that's just the Italian in you. Yeah. You can't do that. No. Now, if you're, if you did a, you said you did a um, low detuning, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So have you ever, when you've had this inspiration of a guitar, said, hand it off, have you ever handed it off to a person and said, I, I've written part of this song, I got a verse, I don't have the chorus yet. What's your take on it? I'm going to sing it. You do the take. Has that ever happened? You know, it hasn't yet. (laughs) But you're open. But I'm open. (laughs) And I have thought about it. Because I do have these song lyrics, these lyrics that I tried to put in a song. And I messed around. I I messed around with it a lot, you know. Mm -hmm. But I just kept getting, you know, just not satisfied with, you know, what I was coming up. And I thought... Why don't you just, you know, give this to somebody and say, 
what would, what would you do with these lyrics? Yeah, yeah. You know, and yeah. see if they come anywhere close to what you're thinking right. about it. Right, right. You know? So that, so, so that amazes me. So it has crossed my mind. Right. But then well, I also go... Let, let, let me ask you... <laughs> Let me ask you this. Next song. Right, right. Now, do you consider yourself collaborative or do you work better as the lonely writer? I think I work better as a lonely writer. Mm -hmm. Um, Not that I'm not a collaborative person because if you want to... because your personality is very collaborative. Because if you have a band, you know, I mean, whenever I bring songs to the band, I always say... If there's anything that you hear that you think can be approved upon, yes, yes. Do please, it. by all means, right, right, let's right. bring it out. Okay, but when you're crafting that moment, and I didn't do this much because I, I told you on the phone that, you know, your approach to music and mine, I started with making a brand first, not mm-hmm. a songwriting band. Right. I started as branding. Yeah. So you are collaborative. You just like the process of building that feeling that you I, called it yesterday. Yeah. Just you and the guitar and your voice. Yeah, I do. I love that it's it's that place, mm. you know, because the world is so busy, you know, and there's just so much noise out there, you know, and I don't like anybody to be around. Mm-hmm. It's just my zen place. I understand. When, when I was um, raising my two stepdaughters, they would say, well, Braddy, you need to go play guitar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I needed to reset. Yeah. You know? I get, I understand. And I yeah. love that you said it's your place. I, I get it. Yeah. That's beautiful. And you've had that over these 30 years. I mean, that's what you've always done. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Tell us about your brand. I know you didn't start off thinking about Donna McGavaro and what that brand means by any means. You were a singer-songwriter. But you said something so remarkable. You said. I wasn't country enough for country. I wasn't rocking enough for rock. I wasn't formulaic enough for radio, right? I wasn't alternative enough for alternative. Right. At that moment, you had to make a decision because now there's no category. So when did you decide the category would be you? Well, what category is Jackson Brown in? What category is Joni Mitchell in? Although she was considered folk. She's singer-songwriter. At the the very beginning of her career. Right. That would be, you know... Uh, but when I think of folk music, I think of like Peter, Paul, and Mary. Me too. Well, you know, you. Bob Seger. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't even think Arlo Guthrie is folk. You know, these people are songwriters. He's Americana. He's an yeah. American singer-songwriter. Yeah, right. I'm an American singer-songwriter. Okay. And so you knew that even then. And I asked you, did you ever think about compromising to go to one of those two categories? No. And <laughs> <laughs> And the reason... That you said no was because, why? Why didn't you say, oh, I could country this up. I mean, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about bands in the punk genre or the Black Crows that might have a certain sound before the studio and then Mm -hmm. they got a producer and they got a different sound. Yeah. You didn't want any of that to happen. No, but you said you listened to Out of the Nest. Yeah. Okay. Did you hear the country on that song on that album? Long enough to fall in love with you? Yep. Hello? Yep. Not country enough. No, it, but but I mean, come on. That is country that's, that's, guitar, man. That's that, it is. You it know? Is. And I heard it all. I heard everything that we just talked about. I heard a little bit of rock. Yeah. I heard I did. Yeah. And I heard And Vines? I, yes. 
I know. And then I heard what I really think I was listening to was adult alternative singer-songwriter before there was a category adult alternative. Exactly. That's what I think. Yeah. It, there's an alternative flavor right. to it, but it's not country old. It's right. not country old. Well, if you old. listen to old Bonnie Raitt records, yeah. you know. That's what I get. You know, she's got the same stuff on, on her albums. You know, she's got her country, you know, she did Angel from Montgomery. She covered John Prine, you know. Right. And uh, Talk about a writer. Right. Then she's got, you know, River of Tears. Yes. I mean, the uh, Home Plate record. Just great songs from people that wrote great, you know, great songwriters that right. you've never heard of. Right, right. You know? And so I was going to tell you, I only have seven words I want to say to you. And that is... Only seven? Out of the nest, oh, proud girl. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that song. Well, that pretty much sums up her. You'd like to tell somebody where you think you should go. Right. But you walk away with the spit on your hand. Right, I, I heard that And you that pace lyric. the floor. Right. You know? And then it's that thing, you know, oh, with a little fixing up, you know, because I, I was thinking about this last night too. I was like, going, oh yeah, I forgot to tell them that part when I was first starting out and everything. You know, I was also the um, girl who didn't shave her legs or her armpits. Right. So I was kind of in that right, right. hippie earth girl. Hell yes. You know, right. No one, you know, I'm doing, you know, that just wasn't me. I do shave my legs and shave my armpits now. <laughs> but then? Yeah, but no. then I Hell did. Hell no. You know. You were I, living it. I was free. Right. I, you know, I didn't care, you right, know. Right, right, right. So uh, that's, you know, oh, proud girl. You know, just. It's a great tune. It's a great tune. Thank you. Yeah. There are people that like that song, right. which I'm really grateful for. Let's jump to your early days. We were talking about the people we knew in the business earlier on the podcast here. And last night we were talking about just some of the music that was out at the time. And you said, we were talking about Muffy, McGuffey Lane. We were talking about uh, Mimi Rousseau and Spit mm-hmm. and Image. Um, Willie Phoenix. Yeah. Who helped me, mentored me, I told you, and hooked me up with Dan Green at Amerisound when yeah. the studio was on North High Street, right. I think, downtown. Right. And I was in a band called The Vectors. Okay, see, I didn't know this. Yeah. Okay. With Rick Waters. Okay. I know that name. Yeah. Um, now, was this before you embraced your own brand? Exactly. Okay. Now, what did you just play guitar? Or did you sing? I played guitar and sang. Okay. Rick and I, you know. Yeah. Were you the only female? In I the was band? the only female in the band. So of that, course. <laughs> right. There was no one. But it was an awesome band. Okay. And it was way ahead of their time. Now, what was Hello, it like? Hello, the name the vectors, the vectors. It's punk. It's new wave punk. What is no, it? No. Oh, my God. No, we did it? a lot of original material. Okay. Which people weren't really doing back then. No, you couldn't. No. Um, but Rick Waters was a great songwriter. Paul mm-hmm. Kellner played keyboards. Okay. Fabulous player. Former husband, my ex-husband, Randy Huff, was on yeah. drums. Okay. And we had a saxophone player and a fabulous bass player. And... Uh, yeah, we. I had just come back from Alaska, and um, I called Rick. Anyway, Rick, I had known um, cause for um, since I had been in high school because yeah. I followed a band he was in with Rob Brumfield, the late great Rob. Right. You right. know, so you know we were buddies, and I called him up just to see what he was doing. He, you know, he said, "Hey, oh, I got this band together." He said, "Would you want to come and sing?" And I was like, "Yeah." So, you know, I, uh, that's where I met Randy Huff, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, 
brought him into the band. And yeah, the Vectors. Man, we were doing um, Stevie Wonder, oh, Beatles. 60s. Yeah. Um, just You're inc- killing 60s covers with great players. Stuff, you know? Yeah. Steely Dan. Yeah, complicated yes, stuff Yes, complicated stuff. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah. You know? You, you don't miss the complicated stuff, do you? Yeah, no. Well, that's... <laughs> but see, that's how good the players I, were. That's what I'm saying. That you, you had know? the band. Yes. When you've got the band, you can you've get, got you can, the players. Right. You, you can, can take on the complicated yes. shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're doing Eric, you know, Clapton and, mm-hmm. you know, just all this incredible stuff. So how long are you with the Vectors? So I was with the Vectors uh, probably about a year. And then you stepped out and did Donna Well, and then McGavron? I got pregnant. And, okay. And then I uh, left. Right. Okay. And then after my daughter was born... I went out on my own. Right. So that was 82. Okay. And when we were talking about all these people, like we were talking about Steininger and some people that had been on the podcast that gave you a lot of wonderful opportunities. Yes. And Schwabi, we both agree, yes. is, is a... God. He's a God. Yes. When it comes to songwriting, yes. right? And voice. The voice. Absolutely. Nobody has anything over John. What whatever the you and I entirely, whatever they're putting out, it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. We've got John. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And so when we were talking about this, you said uh, the Jefferson Starship lying to me last night. The idea that we built this city, mm-hmm. and you have a great sense of home here in Columbus. Yes, and you you made your business decision, your banding decision, your performance decision to stay here. Yes, right. Even though I know that you went to LA, you did a lot of stuff in went to um, Nashville. Nashville. Tell me when when you said that the idea that we built this city when we were talking about you know Schwabi and Phoenix and and you and and all those performers. What did you mean by that? Well, you know, uh, there uh, we were talking about saturation, mm-hmm. and we just didn't have it back then, right? You know, I mean, we had. You know, Ronald Cole, Willie Phoenix, the Toll. You guys were right. here sometimes. Right. We had Schwab. We had Spitting Image. Right. You know, I was here, um, and along with all the uh, ind- you know individual the players. You yes. know, Tony McClung has still been here mm-hmm. all these years. The great drummer, Tony McClung. You know, um, Andy Woodson. You know, Paul Brown. You know, all these players that intermeshed with yes. you know everybody yes. you know and we were all still here you know we you're just you're right so that's you know, what you mean right it was a movement it was a movement we like grew up together here. yeah here yeah you're you know? right and and we're still playing <laughs> right right you know i mean you're right columbus supported us mm-hmm. you know i never had a day job until i started walking dogs I cannot believe that. That is and an the, unbelievable testament to you. You know. But you um, said to me yesterday, you said. I was poor, but, <laughs> but. But you also said, but poor and happy. Yeah. And you also said, yeah, but Brad, I didn't have a seven person road crew. Exactly. That I was paying for. No. Right? Right. And we were we were reminiscing about clubs we would like to play because they already had sound systems and lighting in there. Right. And we didn't have to lug the stuff. Right. The stuff in. But you made the decision to say, I'm going to be Donna McGavero mm-hmm. from Columbus, Ohio. You had a small daughter, I believe, at the yes. time, right? 
Yes. And that's why you made that decision. Yes. Unlike Schwab and I, you said, I'm not going on the road. No. Right? So what's the other love affair of for you in, in Columbus, Ohio? Besides the idea that it's a place you're from, I know you've written tons of inspirational music because of it. Mm-hmm. Why do you like being here? Well, I, when I was out in L.A. Um, For how many years? Not long, right? No, I was only out there a year. Okay. And I really had a great time. And I mean, I managed to uh, play um, the whiskey. Mm. And um, I managed to get on a um, compilation CD that a music store, you know, where I had to compete. Oh, I know. You know, I had to go in and play a couple songs and be judged. Right. You know, and uh, I had just written Vines out there. And that was the song that got me on this compilation of. Right. I think there's only, it was the 12 best um, acoustic alternative acts. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. And you were on it. Yeah. And so, you know. So I didn't know that's what, that happened in LA. Yeah, that happened in LA. Okay, And, okay. you know, and I met fabulous players out there too. Oh, I bet. But I, I did have a job. Oh, see, that's why you I don't like a, it. I had a job. <laughs> right. That's why, that's why you're, exactly. Columbus, you can get by. I was like, oh my God, I was a barista. Okay, I okay. worked in this. Before there were baristas. Yes. It was called Monty's and Monty, this guy actually uh, cooked for Michael Jackson. Oh. And, but he had this coffee shop, pastries. Of course, this is what happens in LA, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. You cook for Michael, but you have a coffee pastry exactly. shop. Of which you're one of the 12 best acoustic, alternative acoustic singer-songwriters. And of course, you're working for Monty. Exactly. Who's working for Michael. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, but you know, I still could make my rent off of that. Right. And I was the... Oldest person that worked there, right, of I'm course. Sure. So right. I was the one that was called when somebody the, didn't show the little twenty-something-year-old couldn't right. make it in the next day. Yes, I let's call responsible I, Donna. Yeah, because I was thirty-six. Right, right. You know? So I'm out there and I'm like going. Well, my parents were back here too. My family, okay. You know, my okay. daughter and uh, I was like, I thought to myself, you know, I could do it out here. I'm pretty sure I could. It it will take me though at least a good five to 10 years, you know, mm-hmm. but I, I, I could do it, but man, I didn't want to miss my daughter growing up. I understand. You I know, totally and understand. my parents were older. My mother wasn't worried do- about that. Yeah. My mother wasn't doing well. And I was like going, God, I can go back to Columbus. I can play music all over the place. Right. You know, right. and you had the relationships yeah. because of the line that you said, we built this city. Yeah. So home what? I go. Right, right. Vines. Right. Beautiful. And are your bridges still standing? Exactly. Are the vines strong enough right. to swing back across? That's it. You just, I've known a lot of people that have come back. Yep. Oh, I know. Yeah. So talk to me in that time period early on, female singer-songwriter. Mm-hmm. All the bands are comprised of mostly... Men. Yes. Yeah. So... How did you, what was your strategy? Uh, How hard was it to get gigs? And how well do you think you were received? Do you think it was a differentiator? Because no one was doing what you were doing? I think that's why I was well received. 
you know, I had, I, I, I will humbly say that I think a lot of the, um, I believe that the, the fellas that mm-hmm. were, um, all the, my comrades, my musical friends, yeah. um, you know, which is why I got to play with the best. You know, they liked what I was doing. Right, right. You know? Very, very bold at the time. I mean, I, you know, I, uh, I actually did fire one of the greatest guitar players in this town. I'm yeah. not going to name names. Okay. 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 But. Um, and the reason you did I that. I did that because yeah. I felt disrespected by him. Of course. Yeah. Because. When you're learning my song, yeah, and you're asking the another player how it goes, that's a problem. That that's a problem for me. So you just said the door's right over yeah. there, X Y Z. Yeah, I don't. That's awesome. I don't think this relationship's going to work. That's awesome. So we were talking about those early days, and even then, you told me this story, which everybody in our business has this story. <laughs> Yours is a damn good one, oh. which I'd like you to tell again um, today. And you said, but before you do that, you said to me, Brad, I write songs that make people feel and that have integrity. Mm-hmm. That's it. Those, right? That's, that's the objective. Because I listened to music that made me think mm-hmm. and made me feel. Mm-hmm. You know, so I wanted my music to be that too yeah. for people. And I think it is, like you know, I mean, oh, it is, you know, it's like, oh, broad girl, you tapped onto that one, you know, and there's so many people that just love, you know, circling the edges, mm-hmm. you know, I personally, my personal favorite off of my most recent release is, is called The Movie. Okay, I haven't heard that. That song wrote itself in six minutes. I love it. No, very little editing, yeah. chord progression, everything came Right at the same Including time. Including lyric? Yep. Wow, that's never happened to me. Yeah. It was, I couldn't write it fast, fast enough. enough. So, when we were talking about that, um, you said, you told me this story about this time you played. You played in this club and there was one person there. At the end of the night. At the end of the night. Yeah. And you, of course, being the artist, the performer, mm-hmm. you went up to him. Well, I went to sit at the bar and get a beer. Okay. So tell, oh, nobody's here. So tell, you know? so t- it's been like that for me at the beginning of the show, during the show, and there's not even one. So, uh, But there was the one guy. Okay, so what happened? So, so you go to the bar So I go to the bar, sit down. This isn't a beginning of a joke. Yeah, no. So, I, I, you know, I sit down and there's this guy. He, he looked a little forlorn, you know. He's yeah. kind of, you know, like this. Slumped and, over a little yeah, bit. Yeah, slumped over and... Uh, and uh, he just starts shaking his head. And I thanked him for being there. Awesome. You know, and he just started shaking his head and he just turned and looked at me and just said, you know, when I came in here, I was really depressed. Now I'm really impressed. <laughs> now I'm impressed. Right. And I was like, and I was, I said, well, you know, I was, that made me feel, you yeah, know. Grateful. Grateful. Yeah. You know, because you only need really one person. That's it. That's it. The lovely sound of one man clapping, right? Right, right, yeah. right, right, right. That's a great story. Yeah, um, I want to tell you another story about those awards. Yeah. Okay. 
So I get all these awards, right? Yeah. We have a big night at the Newport. Yeah. Huge. I go to leave. I'm walking out the back. And what do I see? My van is being towed away. (laughs) With all the equipment in it? Yes, it did have all my equipment in it. (laughs) I was like running after it. Right, of course. You know, and they're like, we don't care. Right. And I was like, wouldn't you know, here I just won all these awards. I'm being, <laughs> you know, getting all this glory. And they're, but a van's a van in but, the wrong place, Donna. Yes, it is. <laughs> Especially back then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they were ready for you, man. Yeah, they were. They were Shamrock toy. I know. We know who it was. Yeah. You're right. And we're not editing that. No. It's Shamrock. It's Shamrock. <laughs> they will get you. You got no luck with that Shamrock. With Shamrock, no. no. That is not a good Shamrock. So, you know. Uh, cost me 180 bucks to get all those awards. <laughs> After you told me that story yesterday, you said, I don't, I'm not into just rocking people or uh, getting drunk on stage. And I want some kind of integrity. And mm-hmm. that's what your music is about. Right? Yeah. Emotional feel, very thought provoking, right? You want your music to do that. Was it hard for you when the world around you when that wasn't popular, remember you told me real quick that you were trying to get a, you guys, you you tried the country thing for one or two shows or whatever. And it never, it didn't work. So yeah. you, so you said no to that. But was it hard for you sometimes as the world was changing, being an independent singer songwriter and all these trends were happening? Was it hard for you sometimes to stay focused? You on know, what you were doing, or was it not? I don't think it was. I just really no. I just you know, um. I was so grateful that Bonnie Raitt's Nick of Time hit the charts. <laughs> yeah. That you said there's hope. Ding. Right. Yes. See, okay. people are waking up. Right, right. You know? Right. And then Sheryl Crow comes out. Right. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. I know that I'm not the only one. Right, you right, know? right. Not the only one, you know? Right. So... There's something out there for everybody. Right. You know, you've heard that saying. Yes. And uh, I'm I'm grateful. I'm so grateful to Columbus and my fan base here. And that's where the song The End of the Drive comes in. Because Columbus, you've allowed me, you know, to the end of the drive and back again. Yeah. You know. That's, that's. You held my hand. You listened to me. You know, and supported, and yeah, no matter what, right to the end of the drive and back again, no matter what. So as as a one person show, then mm-hmm. through all of this, did you ever start off thinking of uh, maybe not a category, but what kind of singer songwriter did you ever ever calculate what kind of singer songwriter you wanted to be? Bonnie Raitt obviously influenced you, Joni Mitchell. Or did you always know that you just were going to be this independent rocket of, as you said, feeling and message? What's the message and how do I feel? Right. Well, you know, it's that thing, you know, people will ask you, you know, so, you know, how would we describe your music? Right. Oh, I know. Okay. So. It's exhausting. It is exhausting. So now <laughs> I just say, do you like Cheryl Crow? Do you like Bonnie Raitt? Do you like Joni Mitchell? I guess you could describe my music like that. That's great. That's a great way of doing it. That's why it's called Donald McGavril music. When I think about that and what you did and are still doing, 
Did you see yourself as a bold singer-songwriter? No, just, just kept going. Okay. Just, just pure expression. Just keep going. Just keep doing what you're doing. You know? Like I said, I still got work. Right. Well, you you had you had more work than everybody. No, like, I mean, seriously. We talked about how fickle Columbus yes. has yes. been. Yes. You know? No, I you're mean, right. It was got to be a band. Right. Then singer-songwriters. Uh-huh. Then it's got to be country. Right. Now, most of your time, were you playing as a solo act? Yes, I did. I mean, if you would look back at those 30 years, mm-hmm. I know today that you do. Right? Yeah. Was it uh, no, 70%, well, 90%? I would say it, it was probably um, mostly solo. Okay. Mostly solo. Okay. And I'd throw a band together for Compass, period, yeah. you know. Yeah. Do a couple rehearsals. <laughs> but your mainstay always was but, yeah, single. Yeah. Songwriter. Because, you know, I got, I could play more. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I could make more money as a soloist. Exactly. Because people still don't want to pay you. I know. I know. So how many gigs were you playing a year? Do you have any idea at, at the height when you were wanting to play a lot? In the 90s, I was playing five, six nights a week. That's what I thought. I swear you were always yeah. playing. Yeah. Well, you got to also remember that we used to play one club Three, four nights a week. I know. Right? Yeah. So you would book Tuesday, Wednesday, or Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or, you know, I had steady places. You know, there was a lot of that where you'd play the same place every Wednesday, Thursday night. Right. You know, I did that. And, you know, and then in the early 2000s, I, you know, hosted the open mic on Wednesday nights at the Thirsty Year and, you know, played Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. and, And packed it. You know. (laughs) <laughs> so tell us about Nashville you That was said, fun w- w- You did the LA thing Did you actually live in Nashville? I was down there for like three months Okay And you had a connection with Which was really fun Yeah, and you had a connection with a bass player Yeah Right, from Trisha Yearwood Yeah So tell us about and that And that was cool He Because um, he's, he's Was a well-recognized studio Yes Yeah And at that time, I just had um, my first acoustic CD out. Okay. And he, uh, he really liked it. So we did two showcases together. Okay. So he played. Yeah. So he liked it enough that he played. Yes. Yeah. That's we, a big deal. Yeah. I was actually kind of down there, you know, like on the Taylor Guitars was kind yeah. of sponsoring me a little bit. I did showcases up in Cleveland for Taylor Guitars. Wow. Yeah. And I didn't know at that. the Folk Alliance. And yeah. Taylor Guitar Showcases. I did a couple of those. And uh, so I was doing a Taylor Guitar Showcase. Oh, it was so embarrassing. What happened? In Cleveland? In Nashville. In Tennessee. It's a songwriter round. Yeah. Okay. And I'm playing this song off of uh, my acoustic CD called In This Room. And if I, I heard it. It's, of course, in an open tuning. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Just so everybody knows, she looked at the so what was she? It's the sophisticated musician <laughs> when she said open tuning. It's an open tuning, and <laughs> where the uh, D string goes all the way up to E. Woo! Yeah, it, it's a stretch for it. Yeah, it's yeah. the last place you can take that D string. Yeah, yeah. And boy, I popped it. You did on my turn. So what are you going to do? So. Not only was that embarrassing because I'm like, you know, with all these Taylor guitar players. Right. Thank God they were all Taylor guitar players. Right. And somebody loaned me theirs. 
That's cool. That was so awesome yeah. until I broke that string too. <laughs> what? <God>. Yeah. <laughs> and how long were you in Nashville when this happens? Oh, I was. I had been down you there been a down few there. months. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, broke two strings on Taylor guitars at a at a songwriter showcase. And did you yeah. ever get to play it? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So the third one was a charm. Yes, it was. Now, why you were in there three months doing what exactly? What What were you just playing and showcasing there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Open mics. Mm-hmm. Had a really good friend down there. Met some really cool people down there. So I just I was having a great time. Being an independent singer-songwriter, did you love being in yes, that country it, feel? Well, in Nashville, okay, you got to remember, that was um, early 90s. Right. There is an underground. Oh, hell yes. Underground music scene yes, going on there. Right. And I slipped right into okay, it. Okay, okay. Yes. Alice down the rabbit hole. Okay. Right into yeah. the underground part. And yeah. This, so you loved it. Yeah. And this guy that I met down there, you know, Henry, he he just, and he was a songwriter, and great guy. And yeah. he just took my hand and brother, you took my hand, you know, right. and you listened to me and he, he showed me all over Nashville, took me to all the cool places. And, you the know. Only, the only club I remember playing there was, uh, it's still around. It's called the Exit Inn. Mm-hmm. But you know, I got to do the Bluebird. Yeah, I've never. Shit. I was the last one in line for that lottery that they pull. Really? Yeah. So how was that experience? And then I got pulled. Then I, then my number was 23. Yeah. You know, because that's how they do that. Right, and, right. You know, for at the Bluebird. Right. They so that to. was fun. Yeah. You know, so, you know, it's not like a lack of trying. Right, right, right. Okay, so then you come back to Columbus, mm-hmm. right? The, the early 90s, you say? So I came back, that would be in 96, I came back. Okay. Because I was in LA for 95. Right. So you were, in, you were in LA for that whole year. Yeah. Okay. So you come back and that's when you make the decision. And you've been playing for a while then mm-hmm. as... I know it's the, the brand is Donna McGavro Music, but you're playing as Donna McGavro. Right. When you came back, did those, ex- did, did those experiences change how you approached your songwriting or just, again, added to what you were already doing? I think it just added to what I was already doing. And when I did come back from L.A., uh, I, had, I had songs on my in my pouch, you know, yeah. I had vines, yeah. you know, I had heaven was a lie and all the out, I had the out of the nest CD. Okay. So that travel did change your perspective. Yes. That's when I met up with Rob McNelly. Okay. Cause we were watching the farewell, the guitar player on for yes. the listeners. And on that was, nest. you know, McGuffey Lane was just right. uh, doing their last Hurrah at, right. at the Newport and Rob Rob McNally, son of Bobby Jean McNally. I hope your ears are burning. <laughs> um, he was playing and I was in the audience. So I was like going, oh man, I got to play with that guy. And That's, he was only like 18. I was going to say. Yeah. Right. He was just out of high school. Yeah. Though, right? He was only like 18. Yeah. I was like, wow. That's and, great. You know, we did a duo for a little while. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, Rob played with me as a duo, and uh, he was in. Then we 
then I kept putting the band, put a band together with him. And yeah, we had a great time. That's awesome. I yeah. did not know that either. Yeah. Um, you brought up some ferocious songwriters. Um, Joni Mitchell, Jackson Brown. Um, because that iconically, Donna, that's your category. Yes. Right? Yes. And if you were to think about um, um, the kind of songwriting you're doing uh, as a singer-songwriter, how would you describe it if you listened to it? I would describe it as acoustic rock. You would? Yeah. And why do you add that term rock? rock? Because it does rock. It does. And, and that's why and folk And that's why I lo love about the acoustic guitar. Yeah, I played the dynamics of it. Yeah, and I played the electric guitar, rhythm electric guitar, uh, for like ten years, no acoustic at all. I was playing electric, only electric, electric. Then you went to acoustic, and you know. But I mean, no, I always played acoustic okay, guitar. But uh, in Out. my in my band, it electric, was all electric, even the acoustic songs. Right, right, right. And then when I started getting all these great, you know, playing with you know, great guitar players. I was like, well, I'm going to bring my acoustic guitar. And, and I just fell back in love with the acoustic guitar again. And when I got my Taylor guitar in 1991. That was it. <laughs> damn. The sound effect. I put the Strat down, you know. And I that said, was it. And that was it. And it was like, that's why? why just I the hired, resonance? The resonance? Well, it's a percussion instrument. And plus, I think it just, fills in it does it just you know it gives songs texture yes great word it's contextual it's warm it yeah. resonates yeah and it feels good when you sing with it yeah feels different it feels like there's a partner right because you can actually feel it vibrate exactly it's against not, your body yeah it's acoustic it's wood i mean don't I get it. me wrong i love the electric guitar I love it. I have to have electric guitar in right. my band. Right, of course. I mean, it's my... But when you're writing, you really do want acoustic. Yes. Yeah. And you know... But you'll old... write something different on the electric guitar. Absolutely. Because you can. Yeah. It's easier to play. Yeah. Right? It just offers different, you know... Nuances. Yeah, exactly. Tell us about the song for uh, Experience Columbus. Mm -hmm. uh, they came to you. Thank I remember you. hearing about this. Mm -hmm. News and Noteworthy. They came to you and said, you are going to write a song for Columbus, Ohio, because we think you represent as a singer-songwriter and understand our city. Right. So tell us that. They didn't actually say, you are going to. They asked me, would you be interested? Yeah. And you said. But that's nice. <laughs> but, I can't, but you said, without hesitancy, though you're fiercely independent, hell yeah. Yeah. Sure. Okay, because this is your home. That's right. And they were going to pay me. <laughs> there is that. I was going to make money off of it. There is that. Okay, so tell us what happens. Then, what year is this, first of all? Late? This would be... Late 90s, I want to say. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 97, around there. Yes. Very late 90s. Okay. Yeah. Because the late, great Rob Brumfield was playing with me. Still alive. Um, yes. And uh, and then they, I said, yes, I would love to. So I, 
I, my wheels start turning about like, oh gosh, you know, what am I going to write about? What am I going to, what am I going to say? What, what am I, what's this one going to do? And, uh, cause I never thought songwriting was very easy when I, you know, no, it, I, I still don't think it is. Do you? No, I don't. It's hell. I don't think it's hell, but it can be, but it's just, you know, I'm not one of those people that disciplines sit down every day and no, no, you know, write a song a day. Right. You know, I tried that for a summer once. Yeah. I ended up with a title called Tapping Taffeta. You can imagine how bad this song right. was. When you were writing songs about materials, garment materials, because you're stuck in New York City. Oh, God. That's when you know you've written too many songs. Right. Gotta go. <laughs> so then, you know, I get a call back and the guy goes, oh, Donna, you've already written the song. I'm like, I have? And he goes, yes. The streets where I live. Right. Right. I said, oh. So I'm thinking they just want me to come back in and re-record it. Sure, recut it. Yeah, just recut it yeah. so that they could do their video to yeah, it yeah. and everything. Yeah. And then he says, but you're going to have to change the words. <laughs> <laughs> right. And now. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and of course, you were singing the words that were outside your window. Yes which you shared with me a bit of the lyric. Yeah, there's a room for rent in a big brick building, a car for sale with white walls and no radio. The old men watch the hookers go by on the streets where I live. There are children and dogs and cats in the windows, big old trees that break when the wind blows, a privacy fence and you're out of sight on the streets where I live because that was the short north. That's beautiful. In 1980. That's beautiful. Yeah. But they didn't want Columbus represented like that. Yes, I understand. You just saw the truth and wrote it. Yeah. So. Those words changed too. Those words. I took another good look around and uh, rewrote the song. Yeah. And you took a commercial glance Mm -hmm. at your authentic inspiration. You still own that song with those words. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yes. And so I just think it's very interesting how fierce you were creatively that, and you love Columbus. So you had no problem saying, of course, we got to do something a bit more commercial and it opens you up more. Yeah. Let's explain it again. Exactly. The streets where I live part two. Exactly. You know? And so the chorus, uh, the the repetitive hook of the streets where I live remained the same, but a a lot of the, all the lyrics. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Leading up to that yeah. refrain changed. Right. Through another lens. Yeah. See, that just recrowns you as Ohio's singer-songwriter. Sorry, right. but it does. There's no such thing as a limit. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> On the streets where I live. Ah, that's right. That's the new lyric? That's, well, that was the old lyric. That was the old yeah. lyric. Yeah. So you could live it again. Yes, we could. Inversion too. Yeah. So let's talk about, I want to talk about branding a little bit. Before we wrap up, and that is, if you were, Donna, to put a band together using um, four artists, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And you weren't in the band, but you could bring four other artists. Uh, And you shared this with me a little bit off mic, but tell me who those artists would be. Okay, so it would be Joni Mitchell, Bonnie Raitt, Chrissy Hine, and I would have to put Ricky Lee Jones in that band. And you had Cheryl Crow. And Cheryl Crow, yeah. Okay, so 
That's fine. We move it to a five piece. Yeah, it's a five piece. You've been alone so long doing Thank this. You, you need a lot. Can I have five people? <laughs> okay, but I want to go through from a brand perspective. Oh, okay. Tell me, what does Joni Mitchell bring? Why is she in the band? Well, Joni Mitchell, I think, brings um, a broader brushstroke hmm. to the whole ambiance mm-hmm. of the music, the feel, everything. And the way her you know, lyrics exactly flow around the music she writes. Right. And there is, she's kind of like Mercury. You wow. know, you know, she moves around. You can't, you can't put your finger on Mercury. It right. moves. And that's how Joni Mitchell is like. Her music, you know, it's it's like a kaleidoscope. Uh-huh. That's beautiful. So that's how I That's her brand in your band. Yeah. Okay. That's how I would, you know, she's just so psychedelic to me. Yeah. And and when you said that to me, something like this yesterday, you've said it more eloquently today, is that she's like a new instrument. Right. It's like a different instrument. Every way, time. Yes. That's what that Mercury does. And that's yeah. why you're saying that. Yeah. All right, Bonnie. And then Bonnie Ray, because you know, you want to rock and you want to rock hard. You want to feel that in your gut. Right. You grit. Know? Yeah, the grit. And I just always have loved, you know, her voice. No kidding. As you Desperate, can, but, but serious. just, you know, it's just deep. And I, I have a deep voice. You do. So, you know, I can. Relate. I can get behind her. Right. <laughs> yeah. And as a female yeah. gunslinging guitar player. Absolutely. She broke the mold. She did. Right? She did it. She did. You know, she is the one that, you know, she is known for her guitar, slide guitar playing. Yeah. Right. Because she's unbelievable. Yeah. All right. So she's obviously, that's why she's in the band. Yes. Because of that, that, that unknown brand. Now, Cheryl, Cheryl Crow. Cheryl Crow, the lovely why did, Cheryl Yes, exactly. Crow. Great adjective. So yeah. Why? Why is she in the well? You know, Cheryl, lineup. You know, Cheryl Crow. She also, you know, she was a break. She like we talked about. She had that perfect timing in in the um, theme, women in music. Exactly. I think when people were finally just really appreciating. Yes. Uh, you know, and she came out and Cheryl Crow is a great songwriter. She's a great pop songwriter. That's what I was going to say. She's like the commercial version of some of the other acts but that you've talked But still has depth. Exactly. You know, and, and fierce lines and that, you artistry. Don't cro- that you don't cross. Right. It's all about artistry. Yeah, good word. And so she's, you know, she, you can, you know, her songs have, you can vision, you know, she paints a picture. She does. Like Pendle Joni, repairman. Like Joni Mitchell, Mitchell does, you know, so that's what I like. I like be, you know, you got pictures. Yeah. You know, and, and it lo- I like any pictures. <laughs> <laughs> and music. Yeah. And market. Yeah. And, you know, that whole female artistry being embraced all aligned for her at that right. time. Right. And she also, even though she can write a verse, verse, chorus, bridge, you know, whatever. You know, she does it her way very well. Yeah. And not so formulaic. No. Not so formulaic. No. no. Great changes, chord changes. Yeah. And just, I think artistry is it. Yeah. All right. Chrissy. Why is Chrissy Hind And then, the Chris, you talk about, you know, guitar slingers. Yeah. And attitude. And attitude. Right. Yeah. I mean, hello. Me and, you know. <laughs> right. 
So that would be a pretty badass lineup. That that'd be a pretty a badass. fierce females. I I think so. Yeah, I'd go see that. Band. I'd go see that band. Wow, I'd want to be in that band. <laughs> right. So I was thinking about banding, branding, and business building, and I asked you a question that blew me away. Thirty years, and I said, "Well, who was managing it?" And you said, "You were." Yeah. And I said, "Well, who's doing the business side of it?" You were. Yeah, I'm not a good business manager. <laughs> <laughs> but my point is, the name of this podcast, Getting the Brand Back Together, is about that artistry of banding, branding, and business building. And you were a solo artist doing all three. Right. That's amazing. Well, you know, you can't, you can't get a manager unless you are, you know, a thousand people strong. and In a club in, in one a, night. In a right? club in one night yeah. for a long time. Before we wrap then, or as we wrap, answer me this. For, I have two questions. One, is there anything you would do over? Probably, there probably are things that I would do over. Mm-hmm. I did not, as a young girl, say, I want to be a musician when I grow up. Right. You know, I didn't have a plan. And I think the only plan that I had was when my father asked me, you know, well, what are you going to do if the music, if, you know, songwriting, you, you know, doesn't work out. Doesn't work out. I said, well, then I'll play other people's songs. <laughs> you know? I bet he hated and people, loved you at the people, same time. You know, people, that's what people do. They play other people's songs. Yeah, dad. Don't ask a dumb question again. Right. But my dad did think that I was better than Reba McIntyre. That's good. So he was yeah. on the right track. Yes. Right? He yeah, was. He was. Okay. Yeah. And then my second question is, Thank you for answering that question. It's a hard question. It is a hard question. I mean, I think about I would, my career and I I probably couldn't tell you because it's so emotional to me of the things that I could have done. Yeah. You know? Yeah, but what they want women to do is different than to, what I would be asked to do. You are yeah. right. Especially then. Not going to do it. I, <laughs> not going to happen. All right. The last thing is then, what do you think the hardest thing was about this life that you've chosen live performances five or six times in the week looking back what's the hardest what was the hardest part well they are long nights you know there's a lot of hours Mm -hmm. you know songs don't get written by themselves they don't execute by themselves no they don't no you just don't open the cupboard and pour pull one out you know (laughs) Oh, I have a cupboard full of songs. Oh, do you? Yeah. You could come over sometime oh, and look at them. I have a drawer full of, yeah, junk. <laughs> you know, I'm like, if these lyrics don't make it in six months, they're gone. They're gone, right. Have, That's called stale creativity. Exactly. You know, <laughs> I think the hardest thing for me was really, um, you know, I had a family. I I didn't. You know, I didn't stay in Nashville long enough. I wasn't willing to, you know, do the things that, you know, they wanted you to do, uh, formulate. I think I was every bit as good as any of them. I agree. I think my songwriting has gotten better as I've aged. You know, I've, I think I've, you know, I don't think my earlier stuff, you know, before. My first acoustic album when I listen to it, I'm like, there are some really good songs on here. But if you listen to them, I mean, there's where you could maybe hear my Joni Mitchell influence, you know? Yeah. I mean, I've gone back and had to relearn them. 
going, what was I playing? Right, right. You know, what is right. that chord? Right. Especially if you're screwing around with tuning and capo. Exactly. None of it is commercial. Yeah. But there's a beauty in that, right? Right. There's a beauty in that when you look right. back. None of it is commercial. And I, to this day, I don't think any of my songs are commercial. And I don't care. I know. You said to me yesterday that you were, you've only written for those who want to feel something and listen to it. And those who don't, it doesn't matter. Exactly. That's a wonderful attitude. Yeah, I love you, it. That's you what know. you have to do to survive just, as an you artist. You just got to be you. Right. You know? Right. Um, thank God. You know, like I said, I'm very grateful to Columbus. I bow down to Columbus, Ohio. When it comes to... It's been a good relationship, hasn't it? it? Not just to me either. I mean... To, to me. To you. Right. I mean, to uh, those that are still here playing with Phoenix. Right. You know, Terry Davison. There's a lot of us out yeah, here Terry. that are still playing. Yeah. I think that's God, I think that's a lot to be I, said for a town because I don't know too many other cities that just can help carry us along this long. Yeah. No. Right. Right. You know, they make you leave. That's called Midwestern love. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. This oh. was this was joyful for me to Thanks. sit down with you. It was great. <laughs>